0: I'm Dan. And I'm Alice. And I'll be explaining to you all the Caesar cipher today. So, cryptography is very important in many fields, it's just from the military to banking to even just, you know, fun, leisure. So, a lot of people use it, even just the common layman, you know. And today we'll look into one of the first, if not the first, cipher ever created. Turn back the clocks to about 100 BCE, ancient Rome. Julius Caesar, as you may be familiar, the one who was stabbed to death by his
1: own friends. And then got his own play out of it, so, you know, pros was and cons. cons.
0: Anyway, so before he was very literally backstabbed, he was very important in military, like, straight-up great general, man. And as such, he realized he needed a way to, like, send messages secretly. Fair enough. Yeah, and so, like, because of the interception of information by malicious parties, which has always been a problem, you know... Because information is always the name of the game. Oh, yes. This is the code that actually a lot of people still use today, but it's mostly, like, normal people, not, like,
1: businesses. And by normal, you mean nerds?
0: (laughs) Ah, well, I mean, I think uh, some other people use it for, like, some things. Fair. So, with this cipher, then essentially the alphabet is just shifted a certain amount when something is written, So if you have a shift of 1, any time you have an A in your message, then you write it as a B. And then any time there's a B, you write it as a C, so on and so forth.
1: And so if there's a shift of 2, then A would just be a C, the B would be a D, and then you just keep going farther with the shifts.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you look at the message first glance, it'll just be like, oh wow, look at that! Miscellaneous letters! So from what I understand, Caesar began sending letters to his generals with a shift of 3. But currently, there's a very popular one that's called ROT13, which is just a shift of 13, you know? Fair enough. And since there are 26 letters of the alphabet, and since as you go forward, then it kind of, like, rolls back around.
1: Yeah, because if you have, like, if you shift an A to a Z, you're really just going back one, really. Yeah.
0: With that, then
1: it's like, that's the
0: farthest you can get from the original alphabet. Yeah, you know,
1: 26 divided by 2, 13, so 13 forward makes sense. Yeah. So, since this
0: was a cipher, there would have to be a way for the recipient to, like, decode it, you know? And it's pretty easy if you have a code, like, obviously. (laughs) Because it's just, like, a shift of the alphabet, so if you know the code, then you just undo that kind of thing. While the Caesar cipher only really shifts the alphabet, you could actually do a lot of different ciphers, just having to do with the alphabet, because you can just, like, randomize the letters. Yeah, like, A goes
1: to O, B goes to L, you know, no real care for that. Yeah,
0: it doesn't matter obviously you'd want the other person to translate it, so they'd have to have a copy of your code, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: theoretically, there are 26 factorial combinations you could do. This is 26 times 25 times 24, and so and on and so, and so forth. forth. Yeah, you know, <laughs> lots of numbers. Well, so yeah. This is equivalent to around 400 septillion,
1: or a four followed by 26 zeros. Dang. <laughs> so, basically, if each possibility, just one possibility, was, say, like, a byte to put it in technology terms. With this, there would basically be over 400 terabytes of orders that you could do things in.
0: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of computers. Uh, Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Um, NASA level. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of these are going to be similar enough to the normal alphabet that they wouldn't really work that well. Just A goes to A. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then B goes to B. But A is still A.
0: Yeah. Or
1: just the P is a different letter. uh
0: (laughs) But, you know, it's like, that's still a lot. And so you might be thinking, like, ooh dang, there's no way that they cracked
1: this without computers. Which, you would actually be wrong. Never underestimate human tenacity. Yeah. The brute force method might be kind of, like, impossible. Or improbable, I should say. 400 terabytes is a lot of information to sort through, and if you have to go through every possibility of that. Especially if you are one human being. But, you know, sometimes you just gotta think outside of the
0: box. Which brings us to about the 9th century CE, in the Arabic countries. It is possible that it was broken before this, but this is when we have, like, text explaining it. So we know for
1: sure that it was broken by then. It it was at least 9th century.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, a scientist whose name is, like, hella long, and I'm sorry, but I'm not going to try and pronounce it. But his last name is Al-Kindi. So, that's what I'm going to call him, and I, I hope I'm not butchering it too <laughs> much. Anyway, he wrote down what he discovered. All the letters in the alphabet have a certain amount of frequency, just in the amount that they're used, just in common words and all that stuff. So, letters in all different alphabets have different frequencies, yeah. and it depends on the language and all that stuff. But, so, in English, the most common letters are going to be E, T, and A.
1: Which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, think of all of the thes and a's that we use in our yes. articles.
0: So the least common are x, q, and z. If you have a message that's, like, reasonably long, then you can count the frequency of each letter that's used, and you can use that to kind of figure out which letters are going to translate to which. So this is called frequency analysis. And obviously, depending on the message, letter frequency can be
1: skewed. Journal entry, where you're probably going to be using i a lot more than an a. Yeah. Just a little bit,
0: but... If you can find the letters that are the most used and the least used, you can generally have, like, an idea of it. And once you start getting letters in and then you're like, oh, this is what this says sort of idea. So it's kind of like hangman, but the
1: other person doesn't want you to figure out the words. (laughs) You know, I mean, that is the general idea of why you code things, so. Yeah, well, no,
0: that's a mingle. That's just how it be sometimes. Especially longer messages were actually, like, pretty easy to crack. Even so, like the common person isn't super familiar with this and it's not super common knowledge throughout the ages and all that stuff. So there have been like lots of people who've sent messages. That maybe weren't like difficult to crack, but they didn't need to be completely unbreakable. They just needed to be good, enough. hard enough, to, like not be bottom.
1: Yeah, of the if barrel. someone stumbles across it, they wouldn't be like, "Oh, I immediately know what this is." Yeah, because
0: <laughs> sometimes you just gotta be like, "All right, I see this, and I'm like, okay, never
1: mind, I'm good, guys. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not gonna expend that effort today," you know. You talked a little bit about you know normal people using it what might normal people actually use this for today?
0: So obviously like there's people who want to talk about things without being like peeped on for various reasons. And I'm, it's like, it does work. Cause it, it's like, it's not super commonly known how to break it. It's very tedious. Yeah. I say this as someone who had to decode the syllabus for their cryptography class.
1: Ah, fun times. Uh, yeah, it
0: was great. <laughs> thanks. But you know, like, passing notes or passwords or making puzzles and stuff in escape rooms you know it's like it's not gonna be like an unbreakable puzzle but it's good enough that it's like it's gonna take time yeah and then there's also like stories of like young lovers who sent coded messages to one another via newspaper you know (laughs) For the drama of it. And then I I heard that some,
1: like, academic types actually decoded these messages for fun. I mean, you gotta just get that second-hand version of the Romeo and Juliet story somehow, right? Shakespeare yeah. can only
0: go so far. So, you, you know, you can get privacy from, like, most people,
1: but, like... Entertainment out of the others. Yeah! I mean, like, bored nerds are just gonna do what they want. At one point, you just gotta let them. They're not gonna, like, do much
0: with it, I don't think. <laughs>
1: Usually not, unless yeah. they're really bored.
0: I mean, if, if you're not sending like we ride at dawn to go <laughs> take over the government, and then the bored nerd who's like reading it likes the government is like, uh, hey. I mean, you gotta be smart with things, but it's like for the
1: most part, if you're just sending like love letters, like all right, okay. I'm just gonna watch that and be entertained. Yeah, it's like ah, soap opera. <laughs> yes, for free.
0: Mm-hmm. So, obviously, there's, like, lots of new ciphers and stuff that aren't, like, used too much in professional senses, but they are pretty popular. Fair enough. I'm also going to talk about another cipher that's actually a derivative of the Caesar cipher. It's called the Visionnaire cipher. I think it's French, and it has an accent on one of the Es, but... That sounds
1: French to me. Yeah. (laughs) We both did take French for, uh, I know I took mine for two and a half years, and I'm still I took it for four. Yep. So, I swear, we have some background in French. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: that's just how it be sometimes. But yeah, this might be kind of difficult for me to describe without visuals, but bear with me here. Essentially, this cipher requires, like, a table. And so this table has 26 rows and columns, each with the alphabet shifted one over. So essentially, the first row and column have, like, the normal alphabet, (laughs) the second row and column start with a B, so on and so forth.
1: So basically what you're saying is you've got, like, a table where each header is, like, A, B, C, D, and then all the way through Z for 1 through 26, and then the same thing going down.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if that didn't make sense, um, you can just look up the Visionnaire square and then see it visually. It's,
1: it's not that complicated, but I'm... Yeah, but, like, basically it's just, like, column 1 would be, like, A, B, C, D, and then the second column would be B, C, D, E, and so forth, and then you just keep continuing down the line. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. The way you use this is kind of interesting. You choose a word, say dog, that will be kind of the code word. And using that word you'll encrypt the message, so like if you wanted to encrypt the word attack, say. You'd look at the table where the column starting with A and the row starting with D intersect. Then you write in the letter that's at that intersection. And so the second letter would be encoded with the letter on column T and row O and so on and so forth. And so you may notice the word dog is shorter than the word attack.
1: You know, three letters versus uh, six. Yes. And so like the point
0: is you like repeat that code word over and over again. So then
1: it just repeats
0: however many times it needs to to encompass the message.
1: Gotcha. So like, if we do take the dog, and attack example, you'd basically be looking at the intersection for the A from attack, and the D from dog, and then the T from attack, and the O from dog, and then the T from attack, and the G from dog, and then since we've run out of dog, we just repeat with the A going back to D, and then the C to O, and K to G, basically. Yes. Fair enough? And then if it has
0: more than one word, then it continues. If there aren't enough letters to, like, finish the word dog one last time, then you don't need to finish it. It's just kind of like... You just end on that O or the D. Yeah. All right, so you might think, all right, someone cracked the Caesar cipher. They must have cracked this one too, surely. You'd be right. Like, it does make it a little bit more difficult to use frequency analysis, obviously. Fair enough. But if the interceptor is able to figure out how long the code word is, They can just use frequency analysis for, like, each letter of the code word. So, like, with dog, there's three letters, so every third letter can be counted for one of your counts, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, so when you have something that's particularly long, then you can be like, okay, so out of these letters, you start to see where the Es might be or the As might be, and that sort of thing for the English language, anyway.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. A shorter message with a longer code word would mean that your message is more secure. But at this point, the Visionaire cipher is not really used that often anymore. It's just harder to use than the Caesar cipher. It takes a lot yeah. of work. And it's like, it can still be cracked relatively easily. If you want an uncrackable code, you're not going to use either of these and if you just want to code then it's a lot easier to just use the caesar cipher it's usually just not worth it to use this which as a person who had to code something in visionaire at one point i ended up confusing myself like 30 different times because i just kept overthinking it but yeah so you know caesar cipher is like way better for common use and it's still pretty popular today JC Boy may have been stabbed to death for his ambition, but we do gotta admit he did make a bangin' cypher. He did indeed.